0: The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
1: Empower Radio presents The Miracle of Healing with Lisa Campion. Meet healers, learn different modalities, and hear empowering stories of people on their healing journey. The Miracle of Healing on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Lisa Campion.
0: Hello, I'm Lisa Campion, and this is The Miracle of Healing on Empower Radio, where conscious people come together to explore the world of healing and heal the planet, one person at a time. So, wow, what do we do? How do we stay spiritual during crazy times? And maybe you're a person that's like me where you, you might feel torn between staying informed and staying sane. Maybe you feel too tr- stressed out to meditate or too anxious to roll out your yoga mat and do some yoga. But the truth is, is the world gets more and more chaotic and confounding. We need spiritual practice more than ever. And our souls need deep sustenance. So thankfully, we have people like spiritual teacher and author Philip Goldberg um, who writes incredible books like um, Spiritual Practice for Crazy Times. And I'm super happy to have him on uh, on the call today to talk about how we can maintain our peace and poise in our spiritual nature even now. So welcome so much, Phil. Thank you for being here today.
1: Good to be with you, Lisa.
0: So I, I think it's incredible that you wrote this book um, before the pandemic. Can you tell us a little bit about how that even yeah. happened?
1: I, ever since the book came out, I, everybody's praising me for my fabulous timing. Uh, but, but the truth is, I wrote it last year in 2019. I started in the spring. It was done by the end before the end of the year, and. Um, Beca- and I wrote it because we may it may be seen tame by comparison, but um, things were pretty crazy even then. Mm. you know there was all kinds of stuff going on, and um, the people were feeling overwhelmed, afraid, angry, torn, confused, uh, families were being you know split apart by political factions, and, um, and a lot of people were having the kind of uh, distress you, you, you alluded to, trying to stay sane and, and also be well-informed. And I kept hearing people I know or and people I would run into because I, 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 I have a podcast, I speak to people all the time, and a lot of people were sort of neglecting the spiritual practices that usually sustained them or that they knew they should be doing because of, you know, they were, for various reasons that amounted to uh, the wrong reasons. And so I, I wrote the book to argue, actually, I wrote an, an article arguing that this these are the kinds of times we need spiritual practices more than ever for, for self-protection, for refuge, to, to connect with the source of uh, inner peace within us, what I call the sanctuary within us, and as a platform for being in the world more effectively uh, with, with more uh, uh, calmness and stability, that it's not an, a, an escape mechanism. Spiritual practice can also be um, a foundation for taking on the problems and challenges of the world. So I wrote this article, and then my publisher said, maybe there's a book in it. And I f- began work, and here we are. And when, when we established the publication date, we thought, well, you know, late summer, early fall of 2020 will be a good time because the election will be heating up and things might be even a little more crazy and then the pandemic hit while the book was in production and everything and and um, and i thought about if there was any window of make to make changes and i you know everything in the book holds up regardless of how crazy regardless of the circumstances around us anytime life is a challenge anytime even just our personal life is in turmoil everything in the book holds up these are perennial teachings that i drew from and they're useful and practical at any time so we just basically kept the book as it was with one paragraph added and here we are and uh, it's a timely book
0: yeah it's a really timely book and i certainly take your point cuz i i've been doing spiritual practice my whole life and um and I know I can feel inside my own self the tendency to let go of those things that are the most sustaining you know what when really we actually need to double down. it's like the more stressful our lives get, the more we need to hold on to our you know our healthy habits, if it's you know clean diet or re- getting plenty of rest and and it's certainly spiritual practice so i I think and yet we give that up. Why do you think it is? Why do you think we're we let go of those
1: I think um lack of understanding for the most part. Um, you just said you compared it to healthy diet and that sort of thing. And that's exactly how I have always seen my own uh, spiritual practice. There it, I, I invest the time every day, what I, you know, depending on my circumstances. But I, without fail, I invest some time, especially in deep meditation, Mm-hmm. And I see it as ongoing maintenance, right? It's a necessity of life. I compare it to showering and brushing your teeth and making sure you eat well and exercise. We do these things on a routine basis because we've experienced and we've heard from, you know, authoritative sources that this, these things are good for our health. Mm -hmm. And they're good for our mental health and our physical health and also our spiritual sustenance. And so I see my practice is in the same way. Unfortunately, a lot of people see spiritual practice as a luxury. Right. And, And the other misunderstanding is, oh, you know, I have to be in a certain frame of mind to do these things. And I compare that to thinking, you know, you have to be clean before you shower. (laughs) <laughs> it's 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 not like I mean, you could, showering when you're clean can be very good and refreshing, but it's especially important when you're not clean, when you're you know grimy or dirty or sweaty. and and similarly, um, you don't you know eat a nutritious meal every once in a while if you're smart. You eat them all the time. It's not like, well, I eat junk food, but every once in a while, I'll eat a good, healthy meal. That's not a formula for sustenance. And and there's some misunderstanding about that. Spiritual practices that are effective, that are well taught and and received, will make you less agitated. You don't have to be less agitated in order to do them. And I think a lot of people take on spiritual practices willy-nilly, carelessly. Without proper instruction, and so you know it doesn't uh, serve the purpose they they think it will. So I'm a big advocate of of doing things the right way, doing things that are uh, are are taught in a proper way, so they they work. I agree with you,
0: especially meditation. You know, like and and for us Westerners, it's a very difficult thing to learn to sit still, to quiet the mind. It's not it's not really part of our cultural temperament um, our, our collective consciousness struggles I think against the things that arise when we meditate um, and so having really good instruction, having a, pro- a process a, a, a structure, a teacher, yeah. a group you know and and nowadays it, it can be as easy as an app on your phone but I'm also if a big it's fan of It's a good app yeah I'm also a fan of the tr- more traditional like my yeah. parents were hippies so they took me to transcendental meditation when I was 10.
1: I probably you know them.
0: <laughs> you probably do.
1: <laughs> I, <laughs> if you, I was if... made a teacher of of transcendental meditation Interesting. in 1970.
0: Oh, my God. Okay, so I was 10 years old in 1974, <laughs> and my parents took me because that's what you did when you were a hippie in 1974, is you did transcendental meditation. And I, I learned that, and I studied some very formal Zen Buddhism to Zazen, actually, when I was living in Japan. um, So I have had this yeah. backbone of very traditional spiritual practices that are sort of rigorous actually they're you know they're rigorous practices and of course i told you before we started broadcasting that i'm a big yogananda Yogananda fan and um you know have sort of absorbed those teachings into my own practice and i i do take your point on that that the effects of this is cumulative right so you know as we do it every day uh, that there's an accumulation of um and i I find where for me like the sort of, uh, because I'm sensitive um, and sort of empathic that I absorb the um, frenetic energy and the pain and suffering and sort of general freak out that's happening in the world right now. And if I'm, if I'm not really diligent with my practice that I, I can't quite clear that out of my system. So that's a lot of how it helps for me.
1: You've said a lot that I usually say in my interviews so i'm i'm happy about that and and you summarized a lot of what's in my book the importance of proper instruction getting techniques with a proven track record with uh, well-trained and highly qualified teachers and the regularity so a big part of my book is encouraging people to take on a regular spiritual practice what the yogis call sadhana Yep. A daily routine because the results are cumulative, and and this dipping into you know the the sanctuary of peace that's deep within us. Uh, you carry that out. I, I always compare it to uh, soaking a sponge in water, and then when you take it out and leave it out, it, it doesn't get dry instantaneously. Some of it it, it retains mm-hmm. some of that moisture and then and then you put it back in and uh and it's a similar thing with the uh growth of inner stability and presence and calm and uh that you then carry into the world to make you not just um healthier and and, you know protected from the ravages of the world but to also uh, improve the way you act in the world, so you know you you will bring more uh, intelligence, more compassion, more empathy, more skill into your the things you do. You know, parenting, your profession, uh, citizenship, whatever it is. So. That's what I call the spiritual two-step, going within and then bringing those treasures out into the world.
0: I love that. And and for me, it's more imperative than ever because I think like, well, I mean, I work as a healer, so I'm I'm helping people, you know, my contribution into the world is helping people find peace inside themselves. But, you know, I, I don't know if we were all meditating, if we were all finding that inner peace, if we were all like... Really dedicated to our our personal path towards enlightenment. If if we all could suddenly do that, maybe that's our contribution. Not everybody is is has the wiring to be yeah. protesting or demonstrating. Some people really do the sort of warrior types in the world. You know, yeah. gain their sustenance yeah. from that. But but maybe you know, is it, Do you think that I'm right? And like, could we sort of no, meditate absolutely. our way to peace in the world?
1: Well, there's a lot to be said about that. Back in the day, I was a you know student activist and very involved in the anti-war and civil rights movement and all that. But my personal life was a mess, and I started my searching. And my searching led me to the spiritual teachings of the East, like we discussed earlier. And then I became a spiritual activist. Mm, and I, I thought, that. oh, you had to, we had to. We're going to create world peace and a better world. We have to do it from the inside out. Right. And so I became a meditation teacher. And I used to say, instead of being a political activist, I was now a spiritual activist. And I was going to help change the world one mantra at a time. And, um, but it turns out it didn't quite work out that way. And now, you know, I came to realize I was a little naive and that we need both. You know, outer activism, whether you're you know, out there on the streets fighting for social justice, whether you're working on a political campaign, whether you're you know, getting out the vote, or whether you're helping heal people individually like you are, like my wife does. She's an acupuncturist, like physicians do. Maybe it's just you're, you're, you're being a better parent and a better neighbor or you know, you're bringing more peace to your, your workplace, whatever it is, we affect the world. And the, the, the more uh, peace we have inside ourselves, the more we bring out into the world with our good intentions right. and, our, and our compassion. But we do need that second form of contribution. I'm not sure. I mean, it would take a whole lot more people meditating then now meditate, mm-hmm. in, I, I mean, by magnitudes of right. numbers. Yeah. And so I think uh, we need Maybe spiritual engagement, spiritual activism. And there is a tendency in spiritual circles that I try to argue against in my book and in my other blogs and all that uh, toward escapism, toward, you know, we're above that. We don't have to be engaged, but you are engaged, even if you're just having a job and a family. Right? Or you know, you 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 have an effect on the world, so you might as well have a good one. Like you that. might as well be a citizen. You might as well pay attention to the circumstances of the world.
0: So it's one of maybe one of those myths of med- of meditation or myths of spiritual practice that somehow it's about transcending our humanity, when really it's about fully becoming human. And engaging, in inter- interiorly, but also exteriorly, fully as a human. Yeah,
1: and I would say it's both. We, you know, we are spirits. We are not just as as Walt Whitman said. <laughs> we are not confined between our hat and our boots. We are, <laughs> you know, we are bigger than that. And 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 discovering, awakening to our spiritual nature. Transcending our individuality and be, becoming one with the universe is, is part of spiritual practice. But then we come out in this embodied form as Lisa and Phil, with you know our bodies and everything else and our personalities, and we engage the world as humans. So we might as well be better humans. Mm.
0: I love that. It's so good. And you you talk in your book about the inventory of how inventory of spiritual practices. Tell us a little bit about what that is.
1: Well, as I said, I encourage people to take on a deep meditation practice that suits them as a regular uh, daily routine, and then there are dozens and hundreds of other practices we can. Uh, Take on in, into our inventory, into our repertoire, to use as needed, whether it's you know certain physical practices or breathing practices uh, you know, that people often do before meditation, or prayer, or chanting, or the other kinds of spiritual practice. But then also uh, interventions for um, when when things. When things get crazy, things get agitated, and you need to get back in touch with that uh, inner peace, but you only have a couple of minutes, and you're out and about, or you're at work, or you're driving, or whatever it is, there are ways to intervene in that um, turmoil that erupts to bring about some instantaneous calm. Mm -hmm. There are things we can do on a more uh, sustained level if we happen to have a half hour extra or an hour or a day to, you know, take a break and have a Sabbath. So I encourage people to to keep a written inventory of things that fit into these time slots that we can draw on as needed uh, and, and that work for us and to broaden the reference uh, base of what we call spiritual practices. I try to also, you know, let people know that, you know, listening to your favorite song, it may be a love song, it may be hip hop, it may be jazz, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be, you know, a spiritual song. But for you, it, it can be sacred at that moment. It could be healing. It could be empowering. It could bring you back to some inner peace and elevate your soul. Maybe it's walking in the woods. Maybe it's gardening. Maybe it's calling a loved one. You know, these can also be uh, holy. They can be spiritualized. Um, And so I, I have different categories in different sections of the book, relationships, sacred spaces, um, and, you know, all kinds of other, other things. And, and I try to uh, be as practical as possible and as broad-based as possible. And so I favored uh, methods uh, that have some uh, track record over time, and, but also ones that have been uh, studied by uh, scientists. There's a, a, a lot of the spiritual repertoire, meditation, mindfulness, prayer, yoga, they've, they've been studied breathing practices. And and so we have data that, you know, validate a lot of these methods. And I tried to favor those because, you know, I wanted it to be a practical book.
0: That's great. and I, I mean, I feel like I'm always looking for new things or things that I can incorporate into my life, like you said, on a more casual way. And I know that breath can be one of these too, right? How can we yeah. use breath? How can we touch in the Well, you know
1: the the old saying, you know, when when you're upset, somebody always says, "Well, t- take a deep breath." Well, there's it sounds like a cliche, but there's good reason for that and there's, you know, scientific proof that yeah, taking a deep breath is calming. And then you can uh magnify the uh benefits of deep breath by uh learning certain sort of add-ons. Like if you breathe with the belly, what yogis call belly breath, or psychologists call abdominal breathing, by just extending the abdomen, you bring in more air, you bring in more oxygen. That alone is a little bit more calming. And then holding the breath for a few seconds, that too adds to it. And then another very critical one, again, with a lot of data, when you exhale, there's different ways of exhaling. So if if you're alone, you can go, you know, and exhale forcefully, and that can help. But if you just have to be inconspicuous and or, you can breathe out and then keep exhaling beyond the point where you would normally stop and breathe in pulling the abdomen in, extending the exhale. And if you can do that maybe 50% longer than you take with the inhale, hmm. there's a, a kind of tripwire that's mediated by the vagus nerve and blah, blah, blah. But right. it does have an extra calming effect on the nervous system. It's so those are, And in addition, you know, there are, yogic breathing practices that I also have in the book that uh, can be done when you're alone and in private. These I, are love, very-
0: I love the breathing ones because you can do them and it's not, people don't notice it. It's not where yeah. you're, if you're talking with someone, you can be like, "Time out while I do this, you know, um, you know, thing or whatever, like that we can really incorporate the breath into any kind of situation that we're in yeah. and use it mindfully to help. You
1: know yeah and you see, I mean, you know, I'm a big sports fan. I've been watching, you know, the playoffs, the NBA and the baseball. And you can sometimes see a player take, you know, sort of taking some deep breaths, bef- mm-hmm. you know, during a timeout or something. And, you know, they've been trained. Yeah. You know, many of them they do have. visualization practices yep. and, and various things. And they, you know, they're role models for staying calm and empowered in the midst of pressure. I love that. There's a there's a, I live in Boston and there was a a lot
0: of conversation around the year the Red Sox won the World Series that they had a mindfulness coach. They were doing yoga. Yes. They were doing meditation and that was yes. the year they won and cool.
1: Yes, and uh I was rooting for them. So yeah, I contr- I contributed. Yay. Thank I you. Contributed. <laughs> But also, you know, I lived in Los Angeles and still do. And I lived here through the whole Phil Jackson era Mm -hmm. when he was teaching, you know, Kobe Bryant and the others, those kinds of practices and giving them spiritual books to read. So, you know, there's there's precedent.
0: (laughs) So, Phil, how can people find your book?
1: Well, in the usual online uh, retailers, Amazon and the others, whatever you prefer. And here it comes on screen. And uh, that's the Amazon page. And people should notice the Kindle version is only $1.99. That was a a gesture my publisher made because of the timing of the book being uh, so useful for people now. So they they cut the electronic version down to, you know, bite size um, uh, price, and the paperback and the audio book are are more regular prices.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us um, today, Phil, and thank you for writing this beautiful book. And there's, like, I just want to honor the amazing synchronicity that that went into having it come out when it did, right? When we needed more than ever, and we didn't even know that was going to happen, but there's some it feels like there's some divine timing there so thank you yeah
1: i must have been tuned in you know yeah i think you are writing books for many years and i've never been this timely
0: Mm. wow well thank you thanks for sharing your wisdom with us today and thank you for writing that beautiful book i encourage everyone to run run right out i really enjoyed it and it's so it's just what we need right now
1: thank you lisa it's a pleasure to be with you thank you
0: And thank all of you guys for joining us here today on uh, The Miracle of Healing, where we are healing the planet one percent at a time right here on Empower Radio.
1: Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine?